Behold, a gateway to your own past, if you wish. What I know is that daylight savings wasn't established until World War One. If it's 3 p.m. now, okay, that means in 1776, it would be 2 p.m. Right. Oh. genius. Yeah. Did you actually know who the first person to suggest daylight savings was? Benjamin Franklin. History's strange, it's alien, and it won't give us what we would like to have. We enter hour number three of this Tuesday, the 17th of January, 2023, as uh, a day late into the week since we had the holiday yesterday, the Martin Luther King holiday. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. A lot of uh, interesting NFL football. Who'd have thought the Jaguars would be the only Florida team, or if there's only one Florida team left there, that they would be the one instead of the one led by the goat. Nonetheless, we're going to do our dive into history that we do each week with my buddy Dave Bowman coming at us from Silverdale, Washington this morning, bright and early out there for you. Morning, Dave. How are you? I'm sleepy, Bill. (laughs) I bet you are. I didn't get much sleep because I stayed up last night watching the goat because of what Jacksonville did on Saturday. I kept thinking, well, I can't turn this one off because you never know what will happen. Uh-huh. Did you get to a point where you thought, okay, no catching up now? Yeah, when it ended. Okay. But I stayed up that late, so. Well, there you go. Which isn't that late. Football will do that to us. As I recall from our days together in California, and and because of the three-hour time difference, NFL is a morning thing in California. Yes, it is. The normal Sunday will start here at 10 o'clock, and Mm -hmm. the second games are at 1 o'clock, which is nice. I mean. That means the Sunday night football is over before 8 p.m. usually. So. Which, th- that's one thing I enjoyed about my time in and around Modesto is that you could watch all, all the football you wanted to and still get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go do the show the next day. Yep. So that was good. Yep. None of this. Where, where are you taking us today, Dave? Well, today is January 17th, and this is Benjamin Franklin's birthday. Or maybe it isn't. Okay. Because we kept such good records. Well, no, it doesn't really have to do with the record keeping. It has to do with, imagine you're born, and this is your birthday. And then 20 to 30 years later, there's a calendar adjustment because we haven't been using the Julian calendar or the Gregorian. We've been using the Julian calendar, not the Gregorian calendar. So all of a sudden, the country, the nation, the world shifts calendars. And all of a sudden, it's not your birthday anymore. Your birthday is now a completely different date. Oh, do, do you so keep, what does it change to? Well, in this particular case, it changed to January 17th instead of the original date, which I believe was January 6th. Um, so Franklin's birthday, there's your first Franklin fun fact of the day. His okay. birthday changed. Okay, interesting. But maybe it is, you know, who cares at this point? We celebrated on January 17th and... That's what we're going to do, because ultimately, Benjamin Franklin is arguably the most famous American of all time. Now, maybe not anymore. If you went around the world and said, who's the most famous American today? I think you'd get some different answers. Mm-hmm. But until the middle- And if you tie it to those founding days of the country, there'd be names like Jefferson and Washington and others that would pop up. Right, but they wouldn't be at the, at the time, they were not as world famous as Ben Franklin was. For one thing, they never left the country. I mean, George Washington never left America. He never went anywhere. Um, Jefferson did, 
Adams did, some of those guys did, but it was Franklin who was really the the international phenom, as it will, or in fashion icon. Man of mystery, yes. Yes, and, and womanizer as well, as it yeah. turns out. But, but the bottom line is, until the mid-19th century, Benjamin Franklin was pretty much the definition of what it was to be an American. Everybody thought everybody, everybody thought that all Americans were like Ben Franklin. We're, Would that have been a good thing? Well, I think in many cases, yeah, a little bit eccentric. Um, uh-huh. Maybe some, uh, you know, we all wore fur hats and that sort of thing. But Ben Franklin is a is a he's a dichot- he's a he's a mixture of dichotomy. I mean, here's here's a guy that starts his life not only with one birthday that then changes, but he starts his whole life with you know a certain set of attitudes and values that as he goes through his life change, which is in many ways the very definition of being an American. When we 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 grow, we change. We're not like European countries that were stoic, stodded, they just they just stayed the way they were. We he, like Ben Franklin, we all change and we continue to change. So maybe it's a good thing. But until the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln comes along, Ben Franklin is it, man. He is the most famous American in the world. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows some tall tales, Davy Crockett type tales about him. And he is really, he's just a, he's just a fantastical, it's almost difficult to separate the myth from the man when it comes to Ben Franklin. We'll tell you more about that in one minute. Boy, could our sponsor, GovMint.com, have picked a better time to run that spot than when we're doing Dave Does History on Bill Mick Live. Of course, if you go to BillMick.com, where our show page headline today is Who Rules the Work World, you'll see links to Dave Bowman, his uh, podcast, and his history bibliography. As Dave rejoins us talking about Ben Franklin on his birthday, one of them anyway. <laughs> one of two anyway. But yeah. I, I think we just generally celebrate January 17th because really – Trying to explain to people the difference between the, the Julian calendar and the Gregorian calendar, people's eyes just glaze over. They're like, "What day well, is of it?" Of course they do. You know, it's like it's, it's like, like calling family on the East Coast when you live on the West Coast. I've right, been there. Right, I've been there myself. So uh-huh. there you go. So Franklin's born this day in Boston, Massachusetts, where he is from birth, kind of a kind of a unique child. He is generally the leader. Amongst all the boys that are growing up, Ben Franklin's always the guy that's, you know, everybody follows because he's so affable, because he's so likable. He, his father actually wanted him to be clergy, wanted him to go to seminary and become a pastor, which I can, you know, I can share some, some similarities with that in my own life. You know, you want to follow in your father's footsteps, but Ben Franklin I gather from his early age, knew that he was not cut out for that. He, uh, he's not going to do that. You'll be happy to know, Ben, Bill, that Ben attended Boston Latin School, where he no doubt learned Latin and conjugation and declensions and all those kinds of things and how to say certain words in Latin. Um, did he wear a toga? You know, we don't know that he did, but I don't know that he didn't. Okay. I mean, you go, you go to a Latin school, you're. Did he wear a toga at the Continental Congress would be the question. No, 
No. Okay, so he, he did take his political job seriously then. Well, yes and no. Um, <laughs> Franklin is, uh, like I said, he's a mixture of things, and there you go. He did not graduate, though, from the Latin school, so there you go. He did, however, continue his education by himself. He was a voracious reader, which I... I think sometimes we don't we don't talk enough about how reading as a skill in America has really declined. The fact that people would read stuff that educated them just for pleasure, not just education, but just for pleasure has really gone away. I don't it's it's strange to me. Well, and and I've heard you talk about this on your podcast before, how well-rounded and educated the founders and and the framers were because of the the history that was just on them all the time. Well, and it was so self-motivated. I mean, there's almost this this mindset now that, that we've started our own, we've started public schooling, so we don't need to read anymore because if you don't need to learn it in school, well, you know, you don't need to know it which is completely wrong, but there you go. Mm -hmm. Franklin uh, quit going to school when he was 10. He worked for his father for a little bit of time, and at 12, he became an apprentice to his brother James, who taught him how to be a printer, which, of course, Ben Franklin will go on to build a printing business that will make him, by the terms of the day, fabulously wealthy. But he didn't like that. Even though his brother James gave him some leeway, he founded his own newspaper when he was 15, Bill. When he was 15, he started his own newspaper. That's pretty cool, actually. When I was 15, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. <laughs> but When I was 15, I opened the newspaper first thing each morning to the funny pages. Right. But here's Ben Franklin starting his own newspaper to report news. He, <clears throat> he was denied an opportunity. He wanted to write letters for his own newspaper. Wasn't allowed to do that, so he adopted his pseudonym. You want to guess what the pseudonym was? No, if, go if, ahead. It's if, been too long. If you've watched uh, the National Treasure movies, you know this. Yes. Silence, silence, do good. Is yeah, his, there we go. His, it, who he pretends to be a middle-aged widow, writing letters, and these letters become the subject of conversation all over town. I mean, they really take things off, as we all know. Nobody, his brother didn't know he was doing it. Nobody knew he was doing it. But, of course, when they found out, they weren't real happy about it. Franklin, of course, is an advocate for free speech, which I appreciate more than anything. He is, um, but he wants to get out on his own. And most of us know the story of how he goes to Philadelphia. When he gets to Philadelphia at 17, he's walking down the street. The only thing he can afford is two loaves of bread, baguette bread, which he's carrying under his arms as he walks down the street. And there he sees a beautiful young woman by the name of Deborah. They fall in love. And that's the rest of the story, right? No, not all of it. And we get back to more of it in moments on WMMB. Hey, this is Whitey. And this is Hank. And you can listen to our podcast, Two Pint Talk, on all your favorite podcast sources. So come check it out where we talk about two beers and, and everything stuff. <laughs> Listen to Two Pint Talk on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Dave Does History, our weekly journey through the Wayback Machine. Dave Bowman is with us on Bill Mick Live. Enjoy these weekly ventures into uh, America's past, and Dave Bowman does a great job of bringing them to us. Don't forget inflation compensation. It starts at nine o'clock and runs through from Glenn Beck through Sean Hannity. One chance an hour to win a thousand dollars. You enter the keyword at WMMBAM.com and then nationwide contest. Good luck. I'd love to hand you the big check. We're looking at Benjamin Franklin on uh, the recognized of his two birthdays, I guess. Dave, we were talking about his early life. Where are we moving to now? You know, inflation compensation sounds like something Ben Franklin would have invented. It does, doesn't it? It does really well. Yeah, we could spend a lot of time talking about his life, but let's skip ahead and and talk about things you don't know, probably don't know about Benjamin Franklin, because these are more fun. Way more. Okay, I'm always up for fun. Most of us have seen the movie um, National Treasure. It's one of my favorite movies. I hear they're making a third one now. I'm looking forward to it if they do. They're horrible history. I want to be clear about that. But they're fun. They are a lot of fun, and that's what I like about them. They go places and they see things, but but don't pay any attention to the history, because everything about the history is pretty much wrong. Okay. In one scene in the first movie, they're talking about daylight savings time, and they bring up the fact that, do you know who invented daylight savings time? And of course, the answer is Benjamin Franklin who invented daylight savings time. And so people kind of take that as, I don't know, face value. He he didn't actually invent daylight savings time, but he kind of did. If, if you follow along here for just a second, he was making fun. Bill, you'll love this. Uh-huh. His idea for this was actually making fun of French people. Okay. In 1784, he was 80, 78 years old. He was the ambassador of France. He was unpleasantly awoken from the summer sun at 6 a.m. I can, I can relate to that. As a result, he penned one of his most famous satirical essays, suggesting that Parisians, French people, if they woke up at dawn, could save some money through the economy of using sunshine instead of candles. So he kind of came up with the idea of, you know, just, just make this 7 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. or whatever. And that way you could save on your candles. But he was just kind of being funny because he was mad about the sun waking him up, which is, of course, the whole point of daylight savings time in the first place. Without it up here, um, we'd be having sunrises at 3.30 in the morning, which, you know, who wants that? So there you go. The problem, of course, was that profound up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bizarre. Um, The problem was he, he lived at a time when time was not standardized. So everybody's time was local, and there was no way to implement the plan. So even after European, Europe time was standardized, the, uh, it wasn't until the 1900s when trains came along and the likes of that, that the first campaign for what we know as daylight savings time actually took place. But it is kind of funny that Franklin had the idea as a joke before everybody else took it seriously. Wonder how he would take it today. Would he laugh? Would he say, oh, you fools? What would he do? As long as he got to sleep in, I think he'd be okay with it. Yeah, he wouldn't care. That's true. That's a good point. As we we all know, Ben Franklin was an inventor, and he invented, you know, the Franklin stove and eyeglasses and all those kinds of things. But one of the things that he invented is called the glass harmonica. And this is while he was in London and France. He noticed that performers were using drinking glasses. You know how you wet your finger and you go around with it? 
So he actually invented an instrument in 1761, a musical instrument called the harmonica, which means harmony. It uses glass cups of varying size and density to create different notes, and it actually went on to become one of the most popular instruments of the 18th century. Beethoven and Mozart both wrote pieces of music for it. And Franklin would say of this musical instrument, quote, of all of my inventions, the glass harmonica has given me the greatest personal satisfaction, which is you know what my thought is here. What's that? You could very well and very accurately play the Star Trek theme on that instrument. You could. Yeah, you very well could. And maybe Gene Roddenberry wrote it for the harmonica, which would make Ben Franklin even cooler, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. That's why I went that way. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Back in 30 seconds. Dave does history on Bill McLive, talking things that we don't know or probably don't know about Benjamin Franklin. What's next on the hip parade, Dave? So Ben Franklin never liked the way we, we write English, the language. He always thought it was bizarre, which it is. I mean, we all acknowledge that. And so in 1768, he invented his own alphabet which, by the way, was good enough that Noah Webster included it in his book, Dissertations on the English Language. It was said to have a more natural order. It was said to have an emphasis on spelling according to sound and vocal effort rather than, you know, the English traditional stuff. And if Franklin's alphabet had been implemented, which it wasn't, of course, we probably would not have the letters C- J, which you and I were talking about earlier, uh-huh. Q, W, X, or Y, which Franklin said those letters are confusing and redundant. We don't actually need them, which, you know, again, words like ocean, where, you know, there's, there's different sounds from different letters in the same word, so mm-hmm. forth and so on. It's kind of, uh, kind of amusing because that's one of the complaints about you know, English is it's so difficult. And Franklin tried to make trying it. Trying to learn it. Yeah, right. it's tough on him. Yeah. Franklin tried to make it easier, but he couldn't. Well, get- didn't he have a way with all of his publishing efforts and the like? Couldn't he have not have mandated his alphabet for his newspapers or were they gone by this? Could time? have. The problem was that Americans just weren't interested. They didn't care. And so okay. he said, well, OK, if nobody cares, instead of trying to force my way into things like a politician would, he just said, well. All right, I'll move on. Maybe if he'd addressed in a toga to present it. Perhaps it could have done that way. Yeah. And of course, one of the most impressive things about Benjamin Franklin is we all know that he was one of our founding fathers and one of our framing fathers. But did you know that he was the only founding father to sign all four documents that were used to gain independence from from Britain? He signed the Declaration of Independence in 1776. He signed the Treaty of Alliance with France that we talked about in 1778. He signed the Treaty of Paris, which ended the the American Revolutionary War in 1783. And of course, he was one of the framing fathers, and in many ways, one of the most influential fathers at the Constitutional Convention in 1787. He was also, Bill, and this is what people don't realize, you know, we, we talk about the founding fathers, and we think of them as these old gray-haired eminences, particularly at the Constitutional Convention and and the Continental Congress, most of them were very young. Mm -hmm. Most of them were in their early 20s and would go on to lead long lives and lead the country. 
Benjamin Franklin, on the other hand, was 70 years old when he signed the Declaration of Independence in 1776. And yet he would go on to, you know, serve through the war, going over to Europe and all those kinds of things. And eventually he would be at the Constitutional Convention where, uh, as we talked about in our convention series some years ago, he was one of the most influential in keeping the convention together. And he would finally sign that document as well. The only one to sign all four founding documents. How interesting is that? I think it's Lots cool. of things to learn, I would think. Well, like I said, as you grow older, things change. And of course, Ben Franklin changed a lot in those years. Well, we'll see what those changes are about as we continue. Dave does history on Bill McLive. Dave Bowman with us to the end of the hour. Next segment, if you want in, it's 321-768-1240. Or you can always jump on the talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. We continue this week's trip through the Wayback Machine with Dave Bowman. We continue in just moments here on 92.7 FM WMMB. Hey there, submarine fans. Let me talk to you about the most exciting thing in currency, the goldback from goldback.com. Article 1, Section 10 of the U.S. Constitution says that states are actually legal to create currency as long as they are made of gold and silver. And now there are states doing just that by legalizing and making their own currency using, you got it, gold and silver. The exciting news is the subbet.com is now an authorized dealer to purchase your gold backs right on our website. Be sure to email me at eric at the subbet.com or you can call me at 720-277-9333. Be sure to check out the gold backs on the subbet.com and then get ready to secure your family and future with the power of fractional gold currency. Get your gold back from the subbet. Get your ticket for today's train of thought at 321-768-1240. If you've got questions for Dave Bowman as we talk Ben Franklin on Dave Does History, something you uh, may have thought and found out it was wrong or something you think is still right and we just didn't hear about it today, you're more than welcome to jump in the conversation as we bring our uh, Ben Franklin uh, day to a close here. Don't forget, spacelaunchschedule.com brings you our launch coverage schedule at wmmbam.com. It's on the on-demand st- section. Thank you to the folks at spacelaunchschedule.com for bringing us that most up-to-date information on every launch around. All right, Dave, we're uh, you're saying there there are some uh, interesting, I don't know, we call them conflict? How about evolution of thought by Ben Franklin? Maybe that's the way to go. Shouldn't every day ben be Ben Franklin day? Every day, there's something that Ben Franklin influenced in this country. I think we should. When five and 10 cent stores across the country were named for him. Yes. Everything you buy, everything you need right there every day. How many things in this country are named Franklin after Benjamin Franklin? It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's no doubt. There are some lessons we can take from all this. And of course, we've just scratched the surface. I mean, to to really talk Ben Franklin, we'd need days. So we've just kind of scratched the surface of it, trying to give you some some fun facts about Ben Franklin. But there are some lessons we can learn from him. And as I said earlier, Ben Franklin evolved over his lifetime. He was not on board with American independence at first. In fact, he thought it was a kind of a bad idea. He Really? He va- he, he was very familiar with London. He was very familiar with, you know, the English. And he really kind of thought that we were being 
childish. In fact, when the Boston Tea Party happened, he, Ben Franklin, said that that whole thing was just stupid. And he said it. I mean, he didn't he didn't shy away from it. He thought that the, the whole idea of the Boston Tea Party was inane, stupid, childish, and destructive. And he was not in favor of that. In fact, he thought we should pay for the tea, tried to negotiate with, uh, with the British government over that. And as you can tell, he eventually lost that argument, but didn't seem to bother him much. In his younger days, he was a slave owner, which, of course, is not all that unusual in that era. But unlike many other slave owners, Benjamin Franklin became convinced that as he evolved as an American and as he became more engaged with American values, he began to feel that slave ownership was not in keeping, not consistent with our American values that we've stated in our Declaration of Independence. He got rid of, he sold, he freed his slaves. I shouldn't say he got rid of them because that sounds bad, but yeah, he, uh, he, he freed his slaves. And in 1787, before the convention started, he became one of the leaders of the abolitionist movement in America. So he went from slave owner to abolitionist. We don't like to talk about that. We just like to label people. Well, he owned slaves. Well, yes, he did. But everybody's made mistakes in their lives. And everybody doesn't come to realize that it was a mistake and change to not only not make that mistake anymore, but be, to become a leader in the opposition of those things. And that's what Ben Franklin did. His service in the Constitutional Convention of 1787 is underrated because people barely know what he did there. But when you do know what he did there, uh, he, on several occasions, saved that convention. He kept it together, primarily through the use of humor, which caused people to kind of calm down a little bit, back off, think about things, and continue on. The lesson of Ben Franklin is, and I think this is applicable particularly to me, maybe even to you a little bit, Bill, is that old dogs can learn new tricks. Ben Franklin, an old dog, man? Me. Ben Franklin okay. was 70 when he signed the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. And he would go on to become what many people have called the first American. He would go on to become the very definition to the rest of the world of what an American is. And what that is, is someone who can recognize things that are flawed and change themselves to more perfectly reflect the values that we have as a people. And Benjamin Boy, we Franklin. We all honestly do that, you know? Yeah. Well, Ben Franklin did. And as we celebrate his birthday today, maybe that's something worth thinking about. We come back to your calls in 60 seconds on Bill McLaughlin. The Dave Bowman Show.com takes you to plausibly live. The Dave Bowman Show podcast also links there uh, to um, What the Frock of the Weekend Show with Dave and Rod coming together for a recap of the week's events and interesting stories. All of that available for you on the iHeartRadio app. Dave Bowman with us with Dave Does History. Dave, let's get a phone call or two in. We'll begin with Keith in Palm Bay. Hey, Keith, good morning, buddy. Hey, good morning, guys. And, um, you know, this, this, this show really. Gives me a lot of insight as a fellow January 6th born human. <laughs> uh-huh. from my life. But anyway, I like to change my birthday. But, um, you know, growing up in Florida, I've been there since I was eight. 
know, and I was educated in public schools here back in the early 1900, in the mid 1900s, back in the day. Uh, it, your, your segment has a couple of questions for me, you know, seeing how I vaguely remember them, the teachers telling us he invented electricity makes me question the two other things. You touched on the exemptions. Do you have more about, he, they told us he did like over 200 inventions and he made the uh, patent open to the public. Did he still make money off them? I mean, how influential is that why we feel about a Ben Franklin in our country? And the second one is they said he was having kids all, all the way to he was 76. And I think he had like 50 illegitimate kids. Interesting questions. Let me see what Dave's got for us, Keith. Thank you so much. Dave, what do you know here? With regards to his invention, now Ben Franklin did not invent electricity. That's kind of a, you can't really invent something that's part of nature. Discovered is a better word? He didn't really even discover it. What he did was he proved that it could be used practically by showing that it flowed. This sounds strange to us today. Because we take electricity for absolute, you know, we we just take it for granted that electricity it should does, be powering every vehicle in the world. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But it wasn't that long ago that people really had no idea how electricity actually works. And when I say it wasn't that long ago, I went to A school, electronics A school in 1982. And in 1982, we were introduced to the debate over how electricity actually works. And the answer was, we don't really know which of these two systems it is. We just know it works. So even today, we're not absolutely sure how electricity works. But Ben Franklin showed us that it could be practically used. Yes, he had numerous inventions, and he did not patent any of those. He was a firm believer, as he wrote in his own autobiography, that since we've benefited from other people's, you know, knowledge and inventions, he too should make these inventions for the betterment of human beings. And so he never made a dime off those. He made all of his fortune primarily uh, through printing, which of course was his main business. So, and as for, as far as his kids go, uh, he was known as a bounder. He was very much a woman's man or womanate woman. What? What's the word I'm looking for? Womanizer. Womanizer. And or whoremonger. His marriage that he married that gal that he met in Philadelphia was a common law marriage. They were never actually church married. They did have oh, children okay. together, including one who he was very much estranged from because he stayed a loyalist during the war. But yeah, he liked his women and especially per- Parisian women's women. Okay, very good. Let's get back to the phones. Line one, you're next on Bill McLive. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, go ahead with your question. Kevin, for Melbourne, Florida. I was just curious that talk about uh, Benjamin Franklin. I, I don't want to kick dust up or nothing, but is it true that he might have been a serial killer? They found like 200 bodies under his home in London. That's interesting. Dave, you ever heard that? Yes. Yes, Ben Franklin, serial killer. <laughs> yes, they did find a bunch of... Uh, skeletons under his home, but they were skeletons that had been uh, retrieved from mortuaries and the likes of that because, again, Ben Franklin was a a scientist and he was interested in things. And at one point in his life, he was interested in physiology. In fact, he's one of the 
the leading people in this development of, of the idea of physiology. And remember, back then they didn't know anything about how bodies work. They didn't know things, and so they studied them. Then the way they did that was they examined bodies. Well, there really wasn't any way to get rid of them, so he just put them in his basement, which is kind of weird. But then again, it's Ben Franklin. He does a lot of things that are kind of weird. I'm guessing that the place already smelled bad. Maybe he wasn't the best housekeeper on the planet. You know, it's something we don't talk a lot about, but the Philadelphia uh-huh. Convention in 1787. Imagine being in the summer of 1787 in Philadelphia, where it's already warm and humid, uh-huh. in a closed room, because it has to be closed because these are supposed to be secret. And one of the people in that room is a guy by the name of Martin Luther from Maryland, who is an absolute drunk. And <laughs> you'll start to uh, you'll start to kind of picture the the uh, odor that was in there when they were writing the constitution. Yeah. The whole, we lost, we lost the call we were going to bring up. So go right ahead with your point. Yeah. People don't like to talk about the hygiene of that era, but you know, I mean, chamber pots, I mean that see, I'm uh, people say to me all the time, Dave, if you added the the DeLorean, would you go back in time? Yeah, I would, but never for more than a few hours because it's disgusting. I mean, wasn't the most sanitary, was it? No. Time for time for another quick call. Line one, you're on Bill Mick Live. Good morning. Good morning, Bill Mick. It's Scott from Dallas. Yeah, Scott, go right ahead. Hey, Dave, have you ever uh, read Benjamin Franklin's 1775 uh, observations concerning the increase of mankind and the peopling of countries? And if you have, do you think he deserves the additional title of the father of the academic discipline of sociology? Yes and yes. Um, Franklin was very interested in how populations expanded and that sorts of things. And he uh, he also is well known for having written another one that I think is more applicable, especially to me as a submariner. And that is the actual title of it, Bill, is, and I quote, fart proudly, unquote. Which just, you gotta gives, be kidding me. which just gives you an idea of how eclectic and how all over the place Ben Franklin was. Uh-huh. Happy birthday, Ben. Absolutely. Dave, what are you looking at for the rest of the week for your show and uh, maybe What the Frock and then uh, next Tuesday? Anything in mind yet? I am still trying. I'm, I'm very upset about DUI. We've got some issues with DUI up here in Washington State. I'm looking at the second letter that Brutus wrote uh, for the Anti-Federalists, and I have no idea what we're doing on What the Frock because we never talk about it until the morning of. Okay, well, there's nothing wrong with that. An agenda for next Tuesday, or do you, are you waiting on that one? I I have it. I thought I sent it to you, but I you don't did. remember. I, don't I just remember. don't have it in front of me, and I thought, you know, you have it all committed to memory. You created it, after all. <laughs> I don't so remember. So much for that idea, right? Yeah. I don't it's remember. all right. We know you'll be back next Tuesday, though, and we'll have some fun with that. Dave, thank you. Interesting look at Ben Franklin, and to those of you we didn't have time to get to on the phones, got to make those calls early in our last segment on a Tuesday so we can get them in and uh, get Dave rolling with his vast wealth of knowledge. Dave, have a good weekend. We'll talk before next week then. Ego Biberi Kapulis at Oliva Verve. Go ahead and tell him. I drink coffee so that others might live. Absolutely. Dave Bowman from Silverdale, Washington. We'll see you in the morning for a wide open Wednesday. Get your stuff together. It's your turn, folks. We'll see you tomorrow.